Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Alt Med podcast. Great to have you with us once again. Um, with me as always, my co-host Mitch Kurtz. How are you doing, Mitch? Hello. Um, yes, well, thank you. And we've been looking forward to this one for a little while. We've had a few doctors on the show, but I don't. I think this might be breaking ground for Alt Med. This is the first time we've actually had Doctor of the Year um, and People's Choice uh, of Doctor at least according to last year's Australian Cannabis Industry Awards. It is none other than GP, Dr. James Stewart. James, thanks so much for joining us. No worries. (laughs) Pleasure to be here. Very good to have you. Um, You know, winning awards in the cannabis industry, it's it's pretty tough. But, you know, for for people like us, it's uh, it's always good to get together and (laughs) (laughs) gloat. Yes, well done, guys. Congratulations <laughs> on your award as well. Uh, oh, just as had to sneak it in there, Mitch. Well, you know, you know, if you've got it, flaunt it. Where's the where's the little plaque? You could put it up, Andrew. Mine's <laughs> uh, um, at work, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> um, as per usual, I think just for everybody else out there who maybe isn't watching the cannabis industry awards so avidly, it'd be great to know a little bit about your history to date, how you got into the space. Uh, how you found yourself doing cannabis um, and being, yeah, doctor of the year, essentially. Yeah. Um, so I guess the interesting thing about me is how I actually came into doing medicine um, as a whole first. I guess it's probably um, interesting for some people. It's, I guess, a story of sort of two two lives that I lived. Um, prior to be going back to med school, I was actually a uh, DJ and involved in the nightclub scene and that kind of thing, sort of right through teens uh well, basically mate- what you're saying is james i'm stuck on a call with two djs uh, is, <laughs> is really what you're saying <laughs> that's it, that's it. No. um except yeah i, I would have played on vinyl you probably wouldn't know what vinyl. <laughs> <It's just> CD. <laughs> cds for me uh so yeah so uh i grew up in that in that kind of scene grew up on the gold coast um yeah and and you know partying and, and experimenting with certain things was you know sort of what we did now and then um, and then when I got into the medical sort of field, um, my late uh, 20s and then right through my 30s, um, I always just had in the back of my mind, you know, that things that I'd done previously that were possibly considered maybe illegal um, probably could have a role in medicine. And, and it sort of led me to think, well, why, uh, you know, especially cannabis, it's a plant. Why is this illegal? Um, and then, so when it sort of the, the hype sort of started coming around um, about medicinal cannabis potentially being able to be prescribed by practitioners, um, so, you know, sort of five years ago, I sort of jumped on board, jumped online and just started looking into it and looking at, you know, what studies had been done and there hasn't been a, gra- a great deal done. Um, and I guess I sort of just, you know, jumped in and, and, and learned how to, to, to prescribe um, you know, and as a GP, I prescribed my first product probably two and a half, three years ago. It was a very clunky process. Um, and yeah, but then I just saw the benefits that that, that patient got with, with sleep was the first one, um, was amazing. And so then I led it to another patient and then I just started getting momentum with it. And now that's led to me doing, you know, full-time, I'm a full-time cannabis clinician. Um, I've stepped back from traditional GPing as such just because I'm still treating the same conditions that I was treating as a GP, well, most of them, um, but just in a different way, a different way that is a lot more safe, um, less side effects, and, you know, one medicine 
and can treat a whole raft of conditions. So it's, it's, I'm so happy that these two sort of random worlds of mine <laughs> somehow merged together. Yeah. Um, I haven't got the deck set up in my, in my, in my, in my room. Audio therapy. It's such a great story. I, I, it must kind of blow your mind as well to be seeing beyond just cannabis, you know, these um, studies being done into MDMA, um, psilocybin yeah, yeah, mushrooms yeah. to treat yeah. longer term um, mental illnesses. Is it, you know, if, if someone had told you that that's where we were going to be back when you were behind the decks, I don't know if you went under the name Dr. Stewart back then, but, um, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I, I guess more so it wouldn't, I, it was more, I was like, it's like, why isn't this medication is more the thought, you, you know, you get back then because of the feelings you get and, you know, the benefit you can see from it is like, why is this a medication? Who said this is illegal? What, you know, what are the whole reason behind this is, is, is sort of the more, more thought I, I would have had. But yes, no, if someone told me when it was, you know, I was 5am on the decks at Monastery or somewhere in Brisbane and I was going to be a doctor in how many years? <laughs> I would have said, you've, you've had too much of whatever you're having. Go on. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't a clinical dose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, understood. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of, and in terms of the, you know, talking about having done it for a while now, you know, there might be other doctors out there that are coming into the space. Don't understand as much about the process. How much has that process changed since, since you started, you know, applying for say special access um, on behalf of patients and things like that. Is, is that, you know, where you started in 2018, 19 versus now, yeah, I um, I mean, it's easier now just because you know we've I've done so many applications, so that whole SASB application portal portal just became a lot easier for yeah. me. And now we can get granted authorized prescribers for for classes now, so we don't have to apply every time um, for a, a, an authority to the TGA. Um, I guess I was I was kind of lucky early on. I had um. I had um, Matua and Ben Jansen from CDA. They kind of guided me a little bit on how to do my first application, that kind of thing. Um, and then later on, I had Dr. Jim Connell from, from Heyday. He sort of helped me out as well along the way. So I had these guys just sort of just, you know, showing me how to do that first application because initially it was like, holy moly, what do I do? Am I doing this right? Um, and yeah. it wasn't until someone showed me. And then I was like, okay. And it just became, became an easier process. And now with the, um, you know, the authorised prescriber thing that we can apply for, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's becoming a lot easier. The reps out there are fantastic now for the companies. They'll, they'll, they all know how to, to guide you through your applications and that kind of thing. So there is a lot more help uh, out there now um, to, to guide doctors um, on how to do the applications. But I guess the first, um, you know, the thing for doctors that are kind of wondering is you just need to become familiar with a couple of mm. simple products. Simple products just... You know, a couple of products, a CBD oil, a THC flower, a 50-50 oil, something like that, and just to get you started. You know, you can get overwhelmed by entering the space now because there are so yeah. many products out there, like crazy. But if you just learn the basics of kind of, you know, CBD, what it's used for, and the rough dosing guide, fantastic. CBD is so safe, very mineral side effects, doesn't interact with anything, and that's just where you get started. And then once you're comfortable with that, go on to a 50-50 combination, CBD-THC. Um, you know, what does that benefit? What do we use that for? What's the dosing guide for that? And just gradually learn 
more and more. The, and before you know it, it's, you know, you've got your head around it and, and it's very easy from then on. And then you can see that this medication can just treat so many conditions at once and you don't have to add another medication because of the side effects of this one. Yeah. Like you have to, yeah. with it, you have to do with a lot of them. So yeah, no, it's just, it was just, it's just take the, take the take step. Take leap of faith. Do, do a couple, get yeah. someone to guide you through it and then you'll, you'll get rolling and you'll be like, ah, I should have done this a while ago. It's interesting well, when you, when you yeah. say it's so safe, you know, coming from the, 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 the mouth of the doctor, it's, it's hard to understand why it's ever really been, outlawed per se when you think of it in that way mm. i know you have some some views on this and we'd love to hear you know talking about a bit more of the history of cannabis <laughs> so um yeah I'd, I'd love to invite you to talk a little bit about that yeah, if, if you could just uh, take us through the last say 80 years of cannabis regulation <laughs> that'd be great yeah well i think that's that's about when it when it all sort of started so you know cannabis is the oldest medicine documented on the planet okay so right back to 2800 BC, Emperor Sheng of, of, of China, where it's sort of the, the cannabis originated. He, he's documented using cannabis, you know, and he's the godfather of Chinese medicine. He used cannabis for a raft of different things. And it's documented then, then right through with the Greeks. Did he access the it by the, did he access by a special access scheme or was that? Um, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he just walked out his door and grabbed a bit in the news. <laughs> so, and then you know you got you got even um, Queen Victoria. She's she used um, yeah. a cannabis tincture for menstrual cramps and that kind of thing. So it's you know this whole however long we we've, we've been around and documented cannabis has been there. Apart from the last sort of since 1925, I've got as sort of the point where it started to get a bad name. So. If you want, I'll talk you through, I've, I've written down all the sort of key points and I think it's really important because this will really put into perspective just how the current perception of cannabis as being an illegal, a gateway, an evil, you know, thing, a gateway drug to heroin and that kind of thing, how it's actually come about. And I would say it's just cannabis has been very unlucky the whole way along with where it's been placed and what yeah. it's been linked with that it's just ended up in this horrible place of being associated with heroin and cocaine and, and, and it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that at all. It's not, you don't get addicted to it. It's nothing like that. So strap in. We'll go for a little walk Take history. us on the journey. So, I'm excited. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Have you got any music for uh, me, Mitch? Well, you I don't have any vinyl, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. <laughs> um, okay. So let's go back to 1925. So there was a thing called the Geneva Convention. Okay. And this was a bit of a transnational drug control treaty designed to ban recreational use of opium and the cocoa plant. So opium, heroin, and cocoa, so into, into your cocaine. So what happened to this? They passed that legislation, but right at the end, one of the, um, I don't know, one of the reps from Egypt came in and said, we need to add hashish to this because over in Egypt, there's an issue with chronic hashish use. Now hashish is the resin from THC and it's often extremely high in, sorry, the resin from cannabis, it's also often extremely high in THC. So he was saying that probably a few people in Egypt weren't getting a lot done because they were smoking hashish. So yeah. he's come across and said, it needs to be linked as a narcotic. Now narcotic, the word comes from uh, ancient Greek, I think, which means to numb. So mm -hmm. he wanted to put into this category of these numbing agents um, and to be, you know, to be put down as not for recreational use. It didn't get passed, but 
it started to be linked in with these other narcotics from then on. So then in 1930, this lovely chap called Harry J. Aislinger. Now you guys might know him. He is, he was, he pushed hard for the prohibition against alcohol mm -hmm. uh, early on. And then when he was unsuccessful with that, he turned his focus to cannabis. Now he started the, um, the establishment of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Um, and he started the media campaign of reefer madness, um, you know, the evil, the doctor, the, the, the Satan's um, weed, this kind of thing. And I've got some, I've got some good ones here. These are fantastic. Uh, let's go with this one. So this is out of a, a, a paper clipping and I'll, I'll read it to you. Beware, young and old people in all walks of life. This, and it's got a picture of a joint, may be handed to you by the friendly stranger. It contains the killer drug, marijuana. Now marijuana, was the term it's a spanish mexican spanish term that was you know when the mexicans came through up from the bottom of this the states they said marijuana so marijuana became a bit of a is now a bit of a derogatory term so we never use marijuana anymore um, but that's what he labeled all this as marijuana um, a powerful narcotic in which lurks murder insanity and death <laughs> those peddlers are crude they may put some of this in your tea and it's got a <laughs> got a tea kettle there or in the tobacco in your cigarette. So he's sweet with you smoking tobacco. Um, but yeah, no, don't put any marijuana. Love meeting friendly strangers. <laughs> and then this one's a beauty. It's got this doctor here's injecting what's meant to be marijuana. Mm. I, don't know how, I don't know about doing that. Some straight um, flour or? <laughs> I think it's probably a bit of a tincture. <laughs> uh, haven't seen that uh, method of marijuana. administration before. Weed with roots in hell, not recommended for children. What happens at marijuana parties? Weird orgies, wild parties, and unleashed passions. I mean, Sounds terrible. I <laughs> wrote that has not used cannabis before. No wonder it was big in the Greco-Roman times. Then yeah. <laughs> it's like a claw crime, you know, hate, shame, despair. So this is just what's been thrust into media um, at the start of the 1930s. Okay, so anyone growing up then is this marijuana. But what's going on behind the scenes is that no one, no one put marijuana and linked it to cannabis, which is still, was still being used by the doctors. You know, they were still prescribing cannabis. You could still go and buy it over the counter, but all of a sudden there's this big fear tactic about marijuana, which people didn't realise was the same thing until a bit later on. So then in 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act came in. So this is actually really funny because pork cannabis, okay, has now got stuck on the side of marijuana, this guy who's just got a bee in his bonnet because he didn't get alcohol banned, so he's gone on to marijuana, which, you know, I still think, you know, we, let's consider marijuana as, you know, street cannabis kind of stuff, the stuff that, you know, we think is illegal. But then you've got cannabis underneath, which is still being used as medicine. And then you've got the other side of cannabis, which is hemp. Now, hemp is, let's just say for simple terms, cannabis without THC in it, okay? Let's just say it's that, that plant. So. That is a fantastic textile. We all know it's amazing. I mean, the first fleet bought seeds out, all the sales were all, were all made with hemp and that kind of thing. What happened at this same time in 1937, okay, is with the Marijuana Tax Act, this was being pushed by three notable people, okay? There's the newspaper magnate, Rudolf Hurst, okay? And he had a large investment in timber holdings. Funny that, so he prints his newspaper on paper and he happens to have a lot of the holdings in the company that produces paper. 
the Secretary of Treasury, or, um, and who was the wealthiest man in the States at that time, Andrew Mellon, and a family called the DuPont family. Now they had just invented a thing called nylon and Andrew Mellon happened to invest in nylon. So they were trying to bring nylon around to compete with hemp. So these guys were pushing this more so to get people away from using hemp as a fiber and a paper and a, you know everything instead of nylon. And then you had the media, the scare campaign coming in about marijuana and all it's in, you know, and you've just got cannabis underneath, which is a, was used as a medicine that's just happened to be latched into this as well. So the AMA caught wind of this because they didn't realize that what they were saying is marijuana was actually the cannabis that they were giving their patients. So they caught wind of this, but it was too late. They didn't have time to put the opposition bill in um, and it got passed through. Now the AMA president, that's the Australian uh, American Medical Association, the president at the time, Dr. William Woodward, he said, there's no evidence of addiction, violence, or overuse. And he's quoted saying this, marijuana is not even the correct term. Yet the burden of this bill you are passing is placed heavily on the doctors and pharmacists of this country. It will stagnate the medical use of this plant. And we can see he was pretty spot on because when this got passed, we, you know, everything just went underground. We had no more studies. So that's up to the 19, sort of 37, 1940, the marijuana tax. Uh, again, I still the marijuana thing just is mm. funny. Mm. So around this time um, in the US, um, the government sent a uh, sheet to the Federal um, Bureau in Australia, and it was from the narcotics team that uh, our mate Aislinger was involved with, and it labelled the Mexican drug that causes madness, marijuana. So just after they uh, got this, the a major Australian newspaper ran the article on the Mexican drug and under the influence, uh, the addicts become, at time, almost an uncontrollable sex maniac. <laughs> Why are you linking it to sex? Like, <laughs> Goodness yeah. me. That I is... Yeah, wow. In your clinical experience, have you ever... I take it. Have you ever treated somebody for, for say, loss of uh, sexual... Libido? Yeah, libido. uh, Maybe I might. I might might see. I don't know if that classifies as a a case yet with the TGA, but I might might put special consideration. (laughs) Oh, dear. It's it's amazing, too. Sorry, Um, just to interrupt for one thing. I just, just how... You talk about this term marijuana catching on from the Mexicans um, coming through Southern America. And it's, it's amazing how we still live with the consequences of that, even in an era where things have been legalized in Australia for the last five or so years. We're still in a situation where people will refer to it as medical cannabis. No one ever says, you know, um, I'm looking for a doctor that will prescribe me marijuana. Um, so that is still obviously yeah, the, the, well. The it depends on the, depends on the age of the person. Yeah, so my, that's my true. parents, um, you know, my parents are uh, both above eighty, um, and you know, dad be, before he passed away, he, he used to say, "Oh, the you know, get the marijuana, you know, days prescribing the marijuana." To, and I'm like, "Dad, it's not the marijuana." Yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. You know, and people in that age bracket, because they've been you know bombarded with this stuff. You still hey. think of it as marijuana or the marijuana cigarette that they got. Did you tell him it's it's say. not marijuana, it's devil's lettuce? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Devil's lettuce, yes. He, he probably <laughs> thought you were um all your patients were sex maniacs as well, but uh but anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was before um, he became a doctor. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Clean you lot. 
All right. And then so, um, yeah, so after that was published in the Australian newspaper, a few weeks later, there was a, uh, another article about a marijuana cigarette had been smoked at a party in Sydney. I don't know if there was much sex going on at that party, but that made the news that someone smoked a marijuana cigarette. Oh, no. Um, and then so... Yeah, and then so, at the, but at this time, while marijuana was being, you know, being perceived in the public as this evil thing, the doctors here were still prescribing cannabis to patients, and you could still buy it over the counter. But it wasn't until a few years later when the perception of marijuana linked with cannabis, and patients no longer wanted cannabis anymore because they thought they were going to have wild sex orgies. Thought to my might have gone up in some areas if do that we, was the case. Do we know what, um, what doctors were generally prescribing for back in those days? Well, I think the same yeah, thing we're describing for now. Yeah. So pain, anxiety, nausea, you know, all these to yeah. sleep. You know, I think all the things that it's documented for and all the things we now know it works for, I'm assuming that's yeah. what they were prescribing it for because mm. it, it works. Um, and, you know, I think you could buy it over the counter as well because I guess they saw that it was safe, relatively safe. Mm. So, yeah. But um, anyway, so then up until 1940, yeah. you following me so far? Yeah, I'm on yep, the timeline. So 1942. So 1942, um, up until this point, it was still listed in the um, pharmacopoeia of um, medicines in the States. Um, but at this time, um, it was the advent of the single molecule synthetic drugs came into play and these big pharmaceutical companies then introduced these to be, because it's a single molecule, they said it's more effective easier to control, more predictable, and less side effects because it's a single molecule. And so I guess this is the start when plant medicine is such because you all, we all know about the entourage effect and the similar things with plants being that as a whole, the plant works better as a medicine than taking out separate parts. And so this whole idea that plant medicines work on all of a sudden became pushed aside and plant medicine lost favoritism because it's, you can't control it. There's too much going on. We don't know. You know, we don't know what molecules doing what. And then doctors started being trained this. And I know going through med school as well. You know, we were sort of plant medicines all a bit woo. You know, you don't, it doesn't. There's no evidence. We don't know which, what's doing it. And so this became ingrained in you know in in medicine. You know, we grew up. Doctors were trained single molecule. There's been studies on them. They're very safe and no side effects. But as we now know, that's that's not quite the case. So. Um, so the, the prohibition um, and the doctors no longer prescribing and the ban on drugs, this actually led to the cannabis area going, well, marijuana going underground. And so when it went to the black market, underground market, the ones that were manufacturing it then just pushed high THC. That's all they, they, they wanted. So they only made plants that were high in THC. Going on, let's go to skip forward to the 60s and 70s, okay? So what, So for the last sort of from the 40s to the 60s, that thing, cannabis has been pushed underground. It was a illegal substance, you know, that kind of thing. 60s and 70s, we've got the hippie movement, okay? And we've got the protest, etc., all that kind of thing. And at this time, cannabis became a bit of a symbol of counterculture, uh, you know, a drug for rejecting the enriched values in our society. So cannabis got linked. So these people... It wasn't cannabis that was causing them to do the rallies. These people had enough of war that was going on. They'd had enough of the corporations. They were kind of sticking it to the man um, by rallying and that kind of thing. And cannabis just happened to be there with them. It wasn't the cannabis causing it, but cannabis got linked to this whole, you know, you're a dropout, you're against 
you're against this, the way we should be doing things. And this was actually, you know, enforced by with Nixon and the whole war on drugs. So he had a big, big issue with people against war and he couldn't make it illegal to be against war, but he could make it illegal to use cannabis, uh, marijuana, which, you know, a lot of the people were using at the time. So this is where that whole, you know, stigma around it being for dropouts, being for deadbeats, being for no-hopers, it came about because, you know, people in normal society were looking at these hippies protesting and, you know, for a good reason, we don't want bloody war, yeah. but it got associated with being, you're a dropout, you don't have a job, you smoke cannabis, you're a no-hoper, you're not going anywhere. And that's where that, you know, all sort of came about. Yeah. Um, and it is so, yeah, Nixon too, historically just the... Um, that flashpoint where the tide of public opinion was starting to turn against the Vietnam war. I know sort of initially when it commenced in the early to mid sixties, um, there was, there was support. And then when that started to wane and, and younger people um, were protesting both here in Australia and, and over in the U S um, Nixon, you know, wanted to control the population and, and wanted to silence those people speaking out against his government's um, military efforts in Vietnam. And so this was uh, the perfect tool to deploy. Um, and yeah. we have we paid the price ever since. Yeah. And at the same time as that, we had um, over here, we had like um, Premier Joe Bielke Peterson and. Um, was it Balti um, in Victoria, maybe the Premier at the time? Yeah. And um, Robert Cuffey uh, in New South Wales. Like, they were right. They were fully supportive of Nixon because um, yeah. we were in the state's pocket, you know, helping them, sending troops over to Vietnam. So they didn't want anyone being anti-war as well. And so therefore they were all on board. I think in that same year of 1967 was the last time someone was hanged in Victoria at the Premier's direction. So, yeah, we're dealing with very conservative governments back at that, that because time. because of cannabis? It uh, wasn't for cannabis, but it was, you know. <laughs> out, of, out of hemp rope. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. So yeah. So so this is what you can see how it's just being painted like they've just associated it with things. It got associated with narcotics. It got associated with heroin and yes, which is horrible. Heroin and cocaine, and then it got associated with being against you know um, against the, our social norms, causing it to drop out, and it's just been associated with things it hasn't. It shouldn't have been associated with. So. Um, so, so what you're saying is, you know, when we started talking about um, China, just that evolution from it being considered really as a, just a medicine, and it has just been dragged into socio-political, cultural, yep. all sorts yep. of spheres that, uh, you know, yeah, maybe there's an opportunity to have a discussion about cannabis in those circles. But the fact is that Though it, it got to such a point that those influences actually prevented it from being used for health reasons. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's yeah, yeah. Really they, the, the core point, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it kind of went on like it kind of went on two different parts because you had marijuana going on this evil, you know, perceived as being this evil thing, but cannabis, you know, it's all the same thing. Cannabis on underneath was still still medicine, but the thing that happened with marijuana was it all ended up becoming very high in THC. And mm. that's when people, you know, may have experimented once in the, you know, teens or something like that and had a horrible experience with it because no doubt they got something off the street that was super high in THC, probably some hydro something, and just 
greened out or spent the, spent the rest of the party in the shower throwing up kind of thing. And so yeah. since then, they've got this perception that, oh, it is true. It is the evil, bloody, the devil's lettuce, you know, because I felt horrible. It's like, okay, you know, it's yeah. not, not quite right. You know, you've, you've had, like if you had your first drink of alcohol and you had a, you know, you had a bottle of absinthe, yeah. you're going to feel bloody <laughs> terrible because you've got the strongest stuff on the shelf, yeah. you know, and you're not used to it. So... Nah, yeah, okay. and then that that also on just on a side note takes me to this point where I sometimes I look at what happens in the states a little bit at the moment, and I actually don't necessarily agree with the levels like dabbing this the, the having the resin basically in a in a smokable form where they're smoking like hundreds or thousands of milligrams of THC in one hit, and that's the equivalent of like drinking isopropyl or, or yep. you know something like that, you getting know, it eighty proof. 180 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and that, that's just, the thing you know there's, there's in, no injecting doubt. the flower <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. um there's no doubt that there, there you know there are harms from it and that the high doses like this and you know back in back in the geneva conference when the fella came over from egypt and said oh, these people are look, these people are stuffed over here that's because they're using the high strength stuff so mm. you can't categorize every, the whole of cannabis into this one very small you know, yeah, yeah. segment of, yeah. of, of, of it being misused or too high for the person to 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 to, to, to use. I, so, I had no idea that it came from Egypt, by the way. The sort of the beginning of considering yeah. cannabis as a, as a narcotic. Yeah, I mean, so they got there, and then um, yeah. and then they got support from Turkey of all places. Wow! Right, attitude. So, yeah, 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 and then I think the Italians and the South Africans uh, were, jumped on board as well. But that bill didn't get passed anyway. But since then, everyone associated it as a narcotic. So, um, so a lot Egypt, of that was coming out Egypt of Morocco. Egypt had sort of planned pyramid construction that just wasn't on time, basically. <laughs> <laughs> <They> just, <laughs> all the builders were just chilling out. No, anyway. Yeah, okay. That's what I reckon. Yeah, they weren't getting much done. Well, it's funny. There's another story back in the 1800s. I think Napoleon, uh, he tried to have something similar uh, banned because yeah, his army weren't very effective. <laughs> <laughs> they keep surrendering, you know. Just wanted to go out hug and just have something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Um, Sorry, right, we're, so we're, we're, we're in the we're at Nixon's war on drugs. We're in Nixon's war on drugs. So yeah, yeah. so he actually in 1972. Um, he got marijuana placed as a Schedule One category drug, so the same as heroin and cocaine. He got it officially put into there, based on pending on a commission. So he put this commission, so based on uh, pending of the commission. The commission came back with the report and unanimously recommended decriminalising the possession distribution for personal use. So they just went completely get said no. This is. You know, he ignored that and still put it into that category as a category one. So that's how it's officially been put in with heroin oh, and wow. these other nasty ones. Then we get Jimmy Carter uh, coming along. So 1977, um, through the Senate Judiciary Committee, he um, voted to decriminalise marijuana. Now, this was good, so it started to come back. But because what was being available was still this underground high-potency THC, and then you've got, so you've got people, first time users using this stuff, plus you've got the overall fear in society that's been uh, around this, that it didn't last very long and it got criminalized again after a couple of years. So it made its way in a little bit, but then it, it, people were seeing the negative effects of it more so than the positive effects and it got criminalized again. So 
you find that there has been a few through history. There are these little things where it's been almost back in and then something's happened and it's got out. So 1980s, Ronald Reagan came in um, and he continued the war on drugs and specifically he was focusing on um, crack cocaine over in the States with the um, African-Americans. Um, but cannabis, uh, well, marijuana was still linked with this. So every time there was a campaign to get people off the crack, marijuana was always associated with it. And the same continued out here in Australia. So marijuana has just been tagged onto heroin and crack along there. So that's in the 1980s. So from the 1980s, you know, up until now, there's always been movements, pop-ups, campaigns to try and reduce um, or decriminalise cannabis. Even as recently in 1995, Jeff Kennett, Premier of Victoria, he established the Premier's Drug Advisory Council and he um, voted that charges that have been previously given to someone for small amounts of cannabis, the possession of small amounts of cannabis should be removed from the person's criminal history and a person should no longer be charged with possession of a small amount for personal use. This didn't go through because the argument was, well, if this gets through, then we'll have to do it for cocaine and for heroin. So that's where we're at. So it's okay. just well, I've, I've got a I've got a tail for that one, as in a just an addendum. Um, it's crazy the timing, um, but I got an email just before we jumped on, into this meeting from, uh, from Fiona Patton. Uh, not oh. <laughs> so another a, a contemporary um, uh, member of of the Victorian Parliament, and yep. yeah, basically. Um, her party reason has just introduced a bill into the Victorian parliament that effectively would see Victoria following in Portugal's footsteps in decriminalizing all drugs in small quantities. Um, and it's just amazing that this is where we are. So that bill is being debated in Victoria on the 9th of March, 2022 yeah. this year. Um, and yeah, it's just gone on for decades and decades so I, I don't know just going through this this sort of historical um journey with you and sort of seeing that that's where we are now at least in in victoria i mean it, it is crazy how many roadblocks have been unnecessarily imposed um cannabis and, yeah. and other things um but you know hopefully we might actually be starting to um see common sense prevail here but, you know, don't yeah. too soon. Yeah, you know, and it just, again, it's just, it's, and it's just associated with the horrible drugs like heroin. Like that, that's mm. the thing. And it's just people automatically associate it. You, you smoke cannabis. Okay, you, you're onto the hard drugs as well. You're, you're a burden to society, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's not, it's not the person's fault. That's the views that have been pushed on them. That's what they've grown up to learn. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to try and change that perception. But, you know, just sort of going through the, that history there, you can just see how it's just been an unfortunate event of circumstances that have just, cannabis has just got on with it. It's got mixed in with a bad crowd, I guess you could say. Yeah, and, Absolutely. As, and as a doctor, how do you compare that, say, like when we're talking about cannabis, harder drugs, to, say, yeah. alcohol or, or sugar, yeah. for example? Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, so you know, alcohol is, is, is a big one. Uh, I don't drink anymore. Um, I had a bit of a problem with it. I couldn't have one. I'd end up having six and then I'd be out and it'd be going all night. So I don't drink anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And since I stopped, it, it's, it's funny how 
you realize how just ingrained in our culture alcohol is. Alcohol is so much more, uh, so much worse for us than cannabis. Mm. Hands down, by a mile. No one has, you know, the deaths from cannabis is you can't overdose from cannabis. You don't, you know, other things from alcohol, you know, it then goes into gambling, it goes into relationships, it goes into domestic violence, all these type of things. Yet it's part of our social norm. Like it ju- I just, for me, that, that's one that is just really like, if for someone to me, if they say, you know, oh, you're, you're a cannabis prescriber, that's a, I, I say, well, do you have a drink in the afternoon? Yes. Okay. Well, what's the difference from you getting home and having, you know, three or four beers to someone not doing that and maybe having a, a t- cannabis tea or a, a, an oil or a vape, just, and, you know, just to relax. What's the difference? I guarantee you that person having the cannabis is going to be more relaxed, not going to go out, not going to spend money, not going to abuse the partner, mm. you know, just, you know, we've got, so alcohol just is one, and I think people are realising now that it's, you know, it's a, it shouldn't be as big as it should be. It's on all the ads, that kind of thing. And then other ones that we don't even think about that are more harmful than cannabis is coffee. I was going to say coffee. Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee's a coffee. So I actually looked this up. So coffee, where did I find it? Sorry. So coffee is a plant, comes from a plant that we know. And studies show it can improve mood, a stimulant, and can be used for relief from headaches. Okay, so it's got some um, documented benefits. But unlike cannabis, it's addictive and it has the unwanted side effects of caffeine-induced anxiety, caffeine withdrawal, caffeine-reduced sleep disorders. And it's now all of those are recognised as part of the DSM-5 category. So something as simple as you, how many coffee shops are there out there? Hey, who needs their daily coffee? Oh, don't talk to me about my coffee. You know, you don't have one, you get a headache. Like this is a drug. This yeah. is a drug that is more harmful, more addictive than cannabis. And it doesn't have anywhere near the medical benefits that cannabis does. Well, I don't like, even hear people just- talking. I hear people comparing the harm from alcohol and cannabis. I don't even hear people meriting a spot for coffee in the conversation about a harm reduction profile. Yeah. Sugar. And you sugar think, like, merits a spot there. Drink, yeah, here, here we go. Grams. 10 yeah. grams of, of sugar. You get 10 teaspoons of sugar and just yeah. drink that. That that's that's in a, and then you know the biggest killer in in, in, a, in all Western is um, cardiovascular disease, mm. diabetes, obesity, all these things that come around from sugar. You walk into a 7-Eleven or get you know get your fuel at one of the servos, it's just lined with sweets, soft yeah. drinks, this kind of thing. That's what's killing people. You know, yeah. it's it's just it, it's it, crazy. Like it, it's it's also um, yeah. I just find the I guess the ideological jump that some people might have to do to sort of engage in a more nuanced debate is to sort of understand that if we were to look on a on a chart to see the harm profile of all of these different substances that we're talking about, you know, and they they they're out there vary in the way that they are interwoven into our lifestyle. But you know, coffee, sugar, alcohol, cannabis. For some people, um, medicinal, um, but then also prescription drugs. If you look at all of those yeah. things, it it's a little bit. I think it's hard for some people to uh, to make the shift where they basically say, whatever the government tells me is legal is fine, yep. and whatever's easily accessible. So sh- you know, if there's no warnings that come with sugar or anything 
then it's completely mm. fine. You know what I mean? And 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 so yeah. then you, I've recently kind of in accepting that that's the way that some people think, have realized that yeah. this is a failure on the part of our our parliaments yeah. that they haven't been yeah. able to. They're the ones charged with regulating. They haven't been able to bring everyone along for a more nuanced discussion about actually what harms us and what you know is has a direct impact upon how long we're here for. You know, that's kind of yeah. what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah, I yeah. think you know a lot of the argument against it is they say well there's no evidence to pr- provide for the fact that it's um, safe or efficacious. But on the flip side, I wouldn't you need evidence that it was harmful in order to schedule it, especially as an S8? Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, again, you know, it got lumped in with the people using cannabis may also be using harder drugs, may be for lower socioeconomic involved in crime. And, you know, it got, you know, it got lumped in there again with those statistics that, you know, cannabis causes... You know, sure, but don't we choose our narcotic, you know, scheduling based on actual risk profile to your health? Yeah, should, but I remember, Mitch. I, yeah, it's gone because. Well, I just remember how in I, when the federal government responded to, um, they had a, an, I think it was a Senate committee that that looked into um, issues around accessing medical cannabis, and as part of that inquiry, there was a discussion around, you know, why is everything but CBD considered Schedule Eight? And they said, well, because we don't have enough safety data on the use of minor cannabinoids as a medicine. So basically, in the absence of that data, they've made the the call to say, well, it's cannabis, therefore, it's probably going to be bad, Um, you know, or at least it could be risky, when in fact, we know that, you know, THC is really the only... um, you know, intoxicating psychoactive compound yeah. within the plant. Um, so, you know, all these minor cannabinoids, at least in my opinion, should be treated as schedule four at most. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, so there's, yeah. you know, and then, so it's a double edge. It's like, you get told, well, there's not enough safety data on it. Um, but, you know, really it's difficult to actually go ahead and, and find, um, investors that will invest in clinical trials to do that safety data. So until that time happens, until that happens, we're sort of stuck with it. So yeah. James, it's an yeah. interesting position for you as a GP and, and, and a prescriber. You're almost saying, take it away from me to have jurisdiction over whether people get access to this. Is that is that kind of correct in a way? Oh, sorry, take it away from me. Oh, so, sorry. So take away people having to come to you to get cannabis is kind of the um, position I'm almost getting from you. In, oh, in a so no, I, I, it still needs, you still need guidance on um, dosages, concentrations and that kind of thing. So, you know, like we've discussed, THC is the, is the one of the psychotropic effects of that kind of thing. So we've yep. got to be careful with the use of that in certain, um, certain populations um cbd i think should be easily accessible i don't think you should need um a, 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 a authority to get cbd um i think it's a safe at, even safer than panadol definitely safer than urofen um in terms of gastric upset mm-hmm. and that kind of thing um you know we still need some guidance around thc and the you know and certain strengths and that kind of thing but i think definitely a, a cbd 
um, predominant um, you know, medication or product, I think it should be safe, safe so for people to get. We, we, what I've seen in my years, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's very, very safe. There's very rarely any side effects. Obviously, we don't have any true long-term studies yes. yet, you know, of people just you know, starting on daily CBD and that kind of thing. But So would you oh, be, be in, safe, be be in support of something more like the European model at the moment where you can literally get uh, CBD over the counter at L? not even over the counter at a pharmacy i'm talking about online from you know wherever and then thc would still be regulated as yeah. something as a prescription yeah. only medication yeah. something like that yeah or you know or if there was if there were products out there um you know i forgot to the day where we could have um flour uh, uh, legal then it would be regulated on certain thc strengths i think would be the way to go so maybe you might have a low dose thc that's available or yeah, something yeah, 50, 50 cbd thc flour or something something like that interesting i like it um yeah. it's just funny on those um on the the with the opioids and with the sorry with the um the prescriptions and that kind of stuff that we do so the latest figures um for drug induced deaths okay that came out and mind you in the drug induced deaths they don't include alcohol or cigarettes for some reason, which to me are both drugs and cause yep. probably the most amount of death. But anyway, so opioids, 61% um, of drug-induced deaths. Sedatives, 51. Antidepressants, 30%. The top three, that doesn't add up to 100, does it? But the top three anyway are the three that GPs prescribe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, just, you put a marker down for... It's a shame I have to run, but I was going to say, James, I think that would be the perfect spot to kick off for a part two because I want to unpack as with you as a doctor, um, some of the pushback that we see from traditional medicine in this country. Um, so I'm just going to ambush you right now and say we're going to have another follow-up to this chat ah, in the next few months. Yeah, no worries and, at all. And I probably, should, I probably should say that, you know, I'm not endorsing people to go out and smoke cannabis, go and get stuff off the street and smoke cannabis. Okay. I'm not, I'm not endorsing that at all. I'm saying come and find doctors like myself, other doctors, there's a lot of good ones out there that we can talk to you and guide you through a treatment. And you, and you don't, you know, you don't have to smoke out of a bong to have cannabis. Okay. It's not this sitting in a dungeon, you know, no. It comes in oils, it comes in rubs, it comes in capsules. You can inject it. Indeed. No. Um, no, that's, that's been great, James. I'm really looking forward to our, um, our next part to this, um, as we delve into current and our current views in the, the health, um, sector around cannabis, but, uh, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for, um, for chatting to us, at least about the history, looking very much forward to our next one. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on. And we'll see we again put soon. you on the spot now, so you can't say no. The, the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you know where I am now. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, James. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks, James. See you guys. Cheers. Ciao. Cheers.